The scripture this morning is in 1 Samuel 13, not 3, 13. Uh, The setting is this. The Philistines, who are a particularly nasty group of enemies of the Israelites, are forming for battle against the Israelites. And Samuel, the prophet of God, tells King Saul, Now, don't do anything till I get back. I will offer the sacrifices asking for God's help before we go into battle. Well, this is what happens beginning in verse 5. The Philistines... Assembled uh, to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They encamped at Michmash, east of Beth Haven. And uh, when the Israelites saw that the situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they went and hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and in cisterns. But... Some Hebrews even went back across the Jordan River into Gad and Gilead. But King Saul stayed at Gilgal, and all the troops who were with them were quaking in fear. Now, in the seven days that Samuel had set arrived and Samuel had not returned, King Saul saw the troops were beginning to scatter, and he said, Bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And so the burnt offerings were brought and he offered them. When he finished offering them, Samuel arrived and he went out to greet him. And as you might imagine, it didn't go well for him after that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We are in the midst of a series talking about the fact that God still speaks. And that if we desire to hear God, we can hear God's voice. And we can communicate with God and and be in conversation uh, with God. And so this morning on, on Mother's Day, I wanted just to let you know that it's pretty understandable why God would want to communicate with us. As any parent, our heavenly parent wants to have a relationship with us that grows and that is sustained. And so that only happens through a constant uh, communication, constant being in one another's uh, presence. Uh, to me, as a father, the great thing about Mother's Day is that my three sons will all come home today to be with their mom. And I'll get to be there. I mean, any father or mother wants the presence of the children and wants conversation with the children, our God, father and mother to us all, is no different. And then also as a parent, I know that if I can offer any sort of help, support, or guidance to my kids, no matter their age, I want to do it. And so our God is the same. Our God wants to help us, wants to guide us through some of the difficulties of life. In fact, one of the ways to think about the Ten Commandments is these Ten Commandments are God's way of saying, look, I know about life. I design life. Let me tell you where the booby traps are. Let me show you the minefield. Here's ten things you don't want to explode. You don't want to explode adultery. You don't want to explode coveting. You don't want to explode stealing. You don't want to explode skipping the Sabbath. And and lets them know. Uh, In fact, many rabbis believe that the first of the Ten Commandments is not, you shall have no other gods before me, but it's actually, hear, O Israel, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery To begin with. And when you look at it that way, it makes perfect sense. God brought them out of slavery. Why would God want them to fall back into slavery? So God says, here, let me me tell you about these nine other things. And if I can guide you, you can stay basically out of trouble and have the life that I envisioned. And so it's real clear to me why God wants to have constant communication with us. Because God's a loving parent wanting to grow the relationship, wanting to guide us. 
But here's what I want to do for a few minutes this morning. I want to talk about why we would want to have conversation with God. Why we would want to hear from God. Why we would want to know directly what God wants for our life. And let me start with the negative. I think there are a number of reasons for wanting to hear from God. There are actually not really great reasons. And uh, the perfect example of not having great reasons would be King Saul. Here's the situation. Saul is king, but when you're king, it's really based on your ability to protect your, your front lines and to protect your borders. And, and those Philistines are pain in the butt. And here they are on the move again. And so Saul wants to defeat the Philistines. And to do that, he knows that the troops have got to believe that God is on their side. So Samuel says, look, I'll be gone seven days. I'll be back. When I come back, we'll offer sacrifice. They'll know God is on our side. We'll get the word from God and go forward. Well, Samuel's watching it fall apart. He's watching the soldiers begin to desert. And he decides, it's been seven days. I'm not waiting any longer. I need a photo op. I need something that's going to fire up the troops. So he offers the sacrifice himself. And by the way, as a result, he ends up being kicked out as king. And a young shepherd boy named David will come along and be the next king. But if you want bad motives, just go straight to Saul. So here's three reasons I don't think you should use to hear from God. The first one is this. So God will solve all your problems. So that you can use God just to to help you with anything you need. Call on God. God will fix it for you. Uh, Nobody really likes to be used like that. Not even a parent. Not a co-worker. Not a friend. And I think God is not really interested in being around just so you have everything you want when you want it. In fact, as a wise parent, I hate to pass this on to your confirmation class, but a wise parent knows that sometimes you've got to struggle with stuff to actually get it. My dad was a doctor who never helped me with chemistry. Never. He just let me struggle. He figured that was the only way I was going to figure it out for myself, not if he did my homework for me. And so I think God is not willing to be used as what Harry Emerson Fosdick, a wonderful preacher of 60 years ago, used to call the cosmic concierge. I don't know if you've ever stayed in a hotel on a special floor and all you had to do was hit the buzzer, ring the bell, and the bellhop comes and gives you whatever you want. Well, God's not the cosmic bellhop, he said. We don't just pray and then God comes and drops in our lap whatever we want so that our life is fairly easy and uh, comfortable. God is not going to be used um, in, in that sort of way. And God's not here to make our life easy. I was watching a Christian talk show several years ago, and a couple was on, and their testimony was, you know, since we've started worshiping God, our income has tripled. And in fact, we had the most amazing vacation to Hawaii last year that God dropped in our lap. And the talk shows taking it all in. And, and they said, in fact, you know, the day that we left on the trip, we were just gotten in the taxi. We were on our way to the airport. And the woman said, and I couldn't remember if I turned off the iron. And the talk show host said, well, what did you do? She said, I simply prayed, Jesus, will you go turn off that iron? I want to tell you, friends, Jesus is not here to turn off your irons. That's not a motivation for listening to God is so that everything will be solved. Neither does motivation to listen to God just so you look good. Here's what's interesting. Samuel, after he gets deposed as king, he has one last request. Uh, I'm assuming Saul does of Samuel. It's like, would you come back for like a photo op? Would you stand next to me in front of the troops so they still think I'm king? He just wants to look good and look right. And we don't listen to God just so we can go around telling people, well, God told me to tell you. Or I, God said, listen, since the Old Testament prophets, nobody has run around saying, thus saith the Lord. 
And if someone comes up to you and says that God told them specifically to tell you, and they don't hedge it with like, test this out, pray about it, see if this is the voice of God, or I think God is sharing, uh, asking me to share this with you, but you pray about it. If they don't, if they, if they don't um, couch it in those terms, and they run to you saying, God told me to tell you in no uncertain terms, then you run away from them. Because they're not speaking for God. I think a lot of people just want to be on the right side and they want to look good and so they want God on their side. And that's just not a good motivation because there are more important things in the world than looking good or looking right. For years, to me, the important thing was all the controversial issues in America and facing the church. I wanted to have the right answer. So that 20 years from now, they'd say, boy, David had that one exactly right. And now I realize that's not really important. The important thing is no matter what the answer was, What was my attitude toward people who didn't share that answer? Did I respect them? Did I humbly uh, interact with them? Did I love them even when they disagreed with me? That's what I want 20 years from now to be known for. Paul said that we should speak the truth in love. And I think by definition that means anytime you pass the truth on to somebody and you don't do it in love, it ain't the truth by definition. I don't know what you're sharing with them, but it's not the truth. So just the desire to go around saying, well, God told me and I know this for a fact is probably not the highest motivation. Abraham Lincoln put it this way in his second inaugural address. He's talking about the two sides of the Civil War. And he said, you know, we both read the same Bible. We both pray to the same God. And then he goes on to say, and neither of us have had our prayers answered fully yet. And then he says, the Almighty has his own purposes. Lincoln was wise enough not to try to say that he had cornered God and he knew exactly how God felt about every situation. He had to admit, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. We're both calling on God here, that there are some parts. And so he humbly wanted to do what was right. Um, there's a, a, a saying that I've used recently, in a, uh, and I actually get it from a Jewish rabbi, but it goes something like this. It doesn't matter what denomination you're from as long as you are embarrassed by it. You know, I think, I think too often we want to say our side is right. That we're the only ones that have it. And you ought to be in our church and you ought to think our way and do our way. And anytime that's your motivation, that's not the best motivation. So what is? Real quick. Same motivation God has to speak to you is the same motivation why you want to listen to God First of all, it builds a relationship. You can't have a relationship if you never talk. I've been married almost 37 years, but I assure you, we still need to talk. And if we don't talk, our relationship suffers. It's how relationships come alive. It's how things uh, grow and, are, and how relationships grow and are, are built. And you may remember we said before that in Hebrew, the word to know is very interesting. Hebrews believed that you knew by experience. That unless you engaged someone, you interacted with someone or something, you couldn't really know it. That you didn't know anything in abstract or theory, like the Greeks. You knew it through personal experience. And so if you're going to know the God who loves you as father and mother, then you have to know that God through the experience of listening and conversing. So the first reason you do it is why any of us would ever talk and listen to each other is to build a relationship. And the other is this. God wants to guide you, and so your motivation is, I want to be guided. Jesus said this, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the only way you know God's will is to listen for God's will. You can't do it if you don't have any idea 
what it is. And so we listen for, to God so that we can get a sense of what God wants us to do. And humbly, and with the help of God and each other, we go out and try to do it. And as we do it, actually, that's how the world becomes a better place. And what happens when I listen to God and when I pray to God and with God, uh, one of the things is oftentimes the situation I'm praying about doesn't change. But as Soren Kierkegaard said 150 years ago, the person who prays change. So, for example, if I, if I pray for my enemies, they may not change. They may still act stupid or mean or cruel, or, but my heart toward them probably has changed. It's not always the situation, but the person that gets changed. Barbara Brown Taylor put it this way. She said, the point of prayer is not to get your prayers answered. The point of prayer is the person you become through praying. So as you listen to God and as you seek God and as God converses with you, you become the kind of person who can live and love in this world the way that God wants you to live and to love. And eventually you become such a person that even before you act, People notice the change in you. One of my heroes lived about 1,500 years ago. His name was Anthony. And Anthony was part of a bunch of people that when they became Christians, they, they fled the cities and went to the desert. And the reason was they just they basically thought there were too many frequencies, you know, uh, too much chatter uh, in the city, and they needed to hear God more clearly. Well, Anthony went actually and sat out on top of a mountain <clears throat> to listen to God regularly. And so people found out about him, and he had such wisdom, and he had such an amazing character that people came to see him. And the story's told of these three guys who every year would come to see Father Anthony, and two of them would ask Anthony all their questions, and he would try to answer them. And the third one never said a thing. Finally, one year, all three come up, the two ask all their questions, and they turn to go back down the mountain, and the third guy who never says anything turns to go after them. And finally, Anthony speaks to him. He said, son, my son, why is it? That you come here year after year and you never ask me anything. And the response the man gave was this. Oh, Father, it is enough just to be in your presence. Listen to God long enough. Spend enough time with God and you start to look the way God looks and act the way God acts. I mean, we know this. We, when we pick out our clothes, we try to dress like somebody or get a hairstyle like somebody or... Um, are to buy the same brands that somebody else does. We spend a lot of our life knowing what it is to try to be like somebody else. But to be like God, it's not a matter of what you wear, or even how you talk, or which church you go to. To be like God is a matter of spending enough time with God that you start to actually take on God's characteristics. And that happens as we listen to a God that speaks. And I don't know for how many miles around people will come to see you when they do that, I only know that when they do come to see you, they will find you to be a different sort of person, the kind of person that they want to come see again and again.